Hey guys, Montel here, and welcome to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. I am so excited about today's show because, you know, we've been hearing a lot about cannabis, especially during this pandemic. You know, a lot of the news has been been popping, especially last week. I think the entire internet and the, you know, the the social media world went nuts when, you know, there's a study that came out of the University of Oregon that actually identified cannabis as a substance that might be able to affect COVID. Um, we were looking at a couple of particular cannabinoids that if utilized in their raw form, seem to inhibit the you know, spike protein of the COVID virus from actually penetrating our cells. And so, you know, in the course of about a week, I think that sales across the country kind of sparked a little bit and spiked a little bit around the world or, uh, based on the information that, you know what, uh, consumption of some of the secondary cannabinoids may be more useful than some of the medications that the pharmaceutical companies have put out there right now. We know that they will be at least, you know, a thousand times probably less expensive than some of the pharmaceutical industries, uh, uh, medications that have been put out there to affect um, COVID. And so people are trying to figure out, well, you know, I don't like the smoke, so how do I get some of these cannabinoids in my body? And I, well, there are several different ways and several different delivery systems, one of which is food. And my guest today is a culinary artist who has been preparing, you know, gastronomical experiences for corporate leaders and celebrities and athletes and social influencers. Her international travels have enabled her to study under executive chefs from around the world. She's toured with DJ Khaled and curated dinners for celebrities such as Snoop Dogg and Dave Chappelle and, you know, I mean, just world-renowned chef. So please welcome Chef Nikki Stewart to Let's Be Butt with Montel today. Chef, thanks so much for being a part of the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Montel. It's wonderful to be here. Absolutely. You know, and one of the things that's so crazy about it is that, you know, I, I talk to people all the time. You know, I've, I've been a, a cannabis enthusiast now for well over 20 years and have suggested to lots of people that they consume. And, you know, you think that it, it's just a known fact that people understand it, but people outside of the cannabis world don't really understand that you can literally utilize cannabis um, not only for taste purposes, but as a, you know, additional ingredient in almost any food, especially fat-based foods works extremely well in oil-based foods, but you can utilize this. And this is a delivery system that, though is slightly different, and so in some ways with some people, not all people, its effects on you from a psychological standpoint and a, a psychotropic standpoint can be different. But mm -hmm. it could be easier on a lot of people uh, who who want to be able to consume, but have an aversion to smoking. Very true. Very true. Um, there's so many options when we're talking about delivery methods of cannabis and non-combustible forms of cannabis, which is clearly what I'm into, <laughs> the non-combustible forms. Um, and so I do a lot of things and I play around with different technologies, different levels of science, um, bioavailability, nanotech, using oil as a carrier. So there's so many levels to this that like I enjoy explaining this to people when I'm cooking, um, when I'm having events or speaking. So, yeah. 
Well, let's let, well, let's get into some of those different levels, but let's do that kind of in a slower way. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about your background first. Where'd you sure. grow up? I grew up in Ohio. I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm an Ohio State Buckeye. Wow. And now were you introduced to cannabis early in life or I mean, what's your what's your background or uh, personal background with cannabis? Oh, for sure. I was definitely a 15 year old smoking weed in the park. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. I right. for sure was. Um, but I had an interesting relationship in how I came into cannabis as far as um, like my first people that I can identify as consumers that were working and, and enjoying a professional life, um, which was really like my family. Um, my father and I have a really wonderful relationship that some of it involved cannabis. My father does construction and um, he would he used cannabis after work just to kind of resettle and readjust his body because um, there's a lot of pain and a lot of work, <laughs> you know, sure. in construction. And then fast forward to um, after, you know, being in, um, you know, just a youth consuming cannabis. I studied, I went into study pharmaceutical sales, not from pharmaceutical sales, pharmaceutical science, and then went into you research. Did, and you did at Ohio State University. I did at Ohio State. Yes, I did it at Ohio State. And mm-hmm. I went into retail pharmacy and pharmaceutical sales after school. And this was, this is just non-cannabis pharmaceutical. Non-cannabis. This is traditional medical. Big pharma. In, yeah. In, big pharma. I mean, I'm talking about your Mercs, your Pfizer's, your, your you know, super big pharma and um, also working for CVS, um, working in just regular retail. Um, when, did you, when did you decide to to change that to the culinary world? I mean, did you go to school as a chef first and then decide to introduce cannabis into what you were doing? Or was that all kind of symbiotically done at the same time? It was very symbiotically done at the same time. I had a need to kind of explore what I felt was more and more traditional medical, uh, uh, more medicine woman vibes. <laughs> if I could mm-hmm. explain that to you, more naturopath, more understanding the root and origin of, of medicines via the plant. And so in that self-discovery, I took a sabbatical, just took a break from pharmaceutical in general and decided just, I was just cooking and I was cooking a lot. And some of my sorority sisters was like, you really should cook. And I was like, you sure? And they were like, yeah, you're pretty talented. So I just quit doing pharmacy and stuff altogether. Uh, started cu- studying culinary science. I never went to culinary school. I, I started from the bottom working with chefs just in a restaurant um, and then traveling the world just to understand flavor profiles and different techniques and things like that. So I really educated myself um, to compare food um, and cooking is also to me to compare it to science because it's ingredients. It's a list of things you got to put together to create something. So it all made sense to me. And then when you first started cooking with and adding cannabis to your recipes, you know, were you doing it for personal use or were you doing it to help other people or were you just yeah. experimenting? Both. I was doing it for personal use. I have screwed myself over more times than I can <laughs> I can explain. Just R&D, just doing a lot of R&D. Um, and then I had a couple requests from clients to create um, edibles and different things that they can travel with. And so I started kind of playing around with different delivery methods and different techniques within the culinary space to make these things palatable, make them, you know, visually acceptable um, and not just your regular brownie that you experience in college. 
Right, right, right. And yeah. what did you find when you first started doing that? Were you like overdosing people, overdosing people, or were you, you know, did you hit a sweet spot? What happened? I hit a sweet spot pretty good. So the great thing about me understanding dosing from a pharmaceutical perspective is me also understanding dosing when it comes to delivery and cannabis. And so um, there are a few times that I may have had some mishaps, but usually I just consume the mishaps personally. Mm-hmm. Then um, I really was very meticulous in um, making sure that what I was making was dosed correctly per person and also playing around with different levels of um, ratios of CBD and THC and one-to-ones and things like that. Well, you know, I mean, I, 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 I've, been, I've been in this space for now over 20 years mm-hmm. and can remember way, way, way back when I first started, you know, advocating for cannabis and speaking around the country about cannabis back in 2001. Mm-hmm. I was personally, you know, uh, making a lot of edibles myself back before edibles were even vogue. And, you know, I realized a couple of different things. When I made, you know, first time I, I made some, you know, cannabis kind of butter uh, and oils. And I was also extracting using some, you know, high co- alcohol content um, liquors. I literally started realizing, well, I, 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 I'll blow myself up of this. I had a friend of mine who I'll never forget. You know, I'm I, um, not a great baker myself, though I do cook. Um, I literally bought some off-the-shelf uh, 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 little cupcake mix. And I really, you know, the first time I set about making some little, you know, those little round cupcakes, infused them with, you know, some of my gotcha butter back at the time. Um, I really wasn't really paying as much attention. I mean, I had a pretty high tolerance. And so I thought most people had a tolerance similar to mine. <laughs> I um, realized I, I used to have a band at the time. And, you know, um, it's so funny. I took some some of these brownies to, to band practice one day. And, you know, one of the other play, people that was, uh, you know, one of the musicians who I knew was a cannabis user, you know, he was like, dude, I'll try one if you want to give me one. I said, yeah, I'll give mm-hmm. one. But I do only eat half of it first, sit on it for a good 20 minutes, and then you kind of will know what's going to happen for the next 20 minutes. And then if you feel like it, you can eat another quarter. But I wouldn't eat the whole thing, you know, until maybe and I'm talking about these little rounds. Yeah. <laughs> I would not eat the whole thing for at least an hour and a half. I mean, yeah. yourself, make sure you know what you're doing. I'm having this conversation yeah. in a room during a break. Didn't realize that the drummer who was in my band was listening to this conversation and thought, hmm. So I gave my friend a brownie, you know, gave him a good night brownie, gave him one of the cupcakes, put, I had like four or five in the bag. I put them back in my pocket, went back into the studio. And we started jamming and practicing, you know, and, you know, about, hmm, I don't know, five, eh, 25 minutes in, we started noticing that the drummer was like speeding up. I mean, every single song, hopefully, was speeding it up. We never go, man, stop, cut. What the hell's wrong with you, man? He was like, who, who, who? I said, what? It? I, I literally walked out of studio, went back into the little kitchen area, went in my pocket, and realized there was two, two of them donut, cupcakes missing. Oh, gosh. So, Homeboy had gone into my pocket, taken out those cupcakes, little little teeny cupcakes, eaten one to start, 
And then was sitting there while we were practicing, put in another one because he didn't work. All of a sudden, you're done because once it's in, you know, you ain't getting it out. You ain't throwing it up. It's going to be there until you ride it out. And we literally had to stop practice that day. I mean, literally, my band was going home, called his girlfriend. The girlfriend got freaked out, called the other person in the band to take him to the hospital. He's going to die. I said, he's not going to die. Yeah. He ain't dying. He's just high. Yeah. Took him to the hospital, went in the hospital. And it's an emergency room in, in New York. And, you know, the doctor came in and said, what did you consume? He said, I think they gave me some, they gave me some heroin. Guy said, you didn't know heroin. So what did you consume? So I ate these little cupcakes and another bandmate said they're cupcakes with some, some cannabis in it. And the doctor said, I got, you got two choices. One is go home, go to bed and sleep. Uh, the other one is stay here and the clock starts ticking and you're in the emergency room here in, Man- in Manhattan. And I want you to say it's clock starts at $2,700. My boy got in the car, went home, went to sleep. That's what you got to do. <laughs> I tell people, you know, once, once it's in you, it ain't coming out. Right? Yeah, no, it's not. And you know, and I have, I have a couple techniques that I use just to kind of um, make process it through your system a little bit faster. And I have a company that I also work with a scientist. It's called Undo. It'll take your high down thirty minutes. Absolutely. And, and but but back in the day, though, there wasn't that technology. Nobody was studying how to get unhigh right quickly. Um, I had to master it because of doing dinners and things like that. Um, and speaking of dosing, I mean, like everybody's body is so different. Everybody's metabolism is so different. Metabolism is so different. What you different. ate earlier in the day is so different. Oh, yeah, 100%. I can I can consume two, 300 milligrams and be fine, honestly. I mean, high as a kite, but I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, there are several different, I won't throw out any brand names, but there are several different, you know, cannabis candy bars that are out there. And yeah. there was one of them that was very, very popular for quite a while, still is. And they had different levels of uh, of cannabis in them. And, you know, they had the, the one, I think it was 150 or 160, it was 150 milligrams in the big bar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I'm going to tell you, I could, I could bang out one of them in the morning and be good till two o'clock in the afternoon easily. and eat another half. Easily. So, hmm? Yeah, easily, easily. Yeah. <laughs> easily. I mean, and understanding and understanding that because like literally when I'm, I have events that are about three to 400 people and this is all infused dinners. I mean, this is all like a, like a coursed out eight course dinner. Um, most of it is passed and like very petite, like a moose bouche size, very small. Right. Right. Um, but you know, yeah. As soon as people think they can handle it, they can't. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah, but if you if you think, oh, I can handle another piece, you're wrong. That yeah. the yeah. second your high mind said that to you, you are already done. You're done. You're toast. You're toast. Right. Right. And so here I come. I become chef slash like nurse at right. a point in time, and I start to you know like have different techniques to bring people back. But part of that too is a different type of delivery system with nano with nanotech. It hits faster, but it also it bypasses your uh, liver. Okay, and so you have a different, it permeates differently. And so I can start moving things through your endocannabinoid system, through your bloodstream a little bit faster and push it in and out faster than back when I was just making brownies, cakes, cookies, and things like sure, that. Sure, sure. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Now, have you noticed, I mean, they, they talk, talk to me a little bit because, you know, there are several television shows they've come on and off, on and off there. And, you know, 
And I, again, I'm not a professional chef or cook, but I've noticed that too often, too many of these shows spend too much time spending too much time with the cannabinoids in the oven or being cooked to the point that you're cooking off probably 20 to 30% of its value anyway to begin with, especially when it comes to some of the secondary cannabinoids that we know have a, a much lower you know, evaporation point or a much lower mm-hmm. burnoff point. So yeah. do you do a lot of infusing? You cook your meal and then you infuse after Close. you let the temperature mm-hmm. come down? Is that what you do? I do a lot of it post, yes. Um, right. It depends on... So I look at it a couple different ways. It depends on what the actual dish is and where I want the terpenes to sit. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, like, you know, terpenes are like essential oil. So when you right. heat them at a certain pace, a certain rate, the, the, the smell is on the, on the nose at the top. And then on the bite, I want it to kind of dissipate by the time you chew it. Mm-hmm. Um, so oftentimes I use water soluble, uh, things, uh, that are, you don't even, it doesn't even have a terpene, um, taste to it, but it also, you don't need to use the heat. And right. so you're able to get more full spectrum and you're able to get, you know, like, you know, different variances of um, like, you know, feelings when you're consuming it. But oftentimes, you know, like decarboxylation, you can only decarb at a certain temperature. Right. And and that's the old school way when you were just doing can of butter, you know, you put your weed in the oven and sl- slow and low and decarb and then put it in the crock pot. Like that's the old way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there are oftentimes like I never suggest roasting something at four to five hundred degrees or you know things like that. So oftentimes I go back over it once the food has gotten to a temp, you know, at at least two fifty or below, and then I start to add the infusions, and then I also add terpene, um, like different modifications to the terpenes, like uh, extracts. So that mm-hmm. you use food grade or you use I'm sorry food. Other vegetable kind of grade terpenes, or do you use all strictly kind of hemp based or cannabis based terpenes? Well, if I'm doing a fused food, yes, definitely mainly hemp and you know cannabis based terpenes that have been extracted. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes in such a very like the tiniest amount, it's like this big, but those right. terpenes just um, like where they're miked, or the teeny micro amount creates a flavor burst, um, you know, in food. So, yeah. Right. And what what are, what are some of your favorite? Now you've traveled the world with a lot of different celebrities, and you cook for a lot of different people. What are some of your favorite dishes that you cook? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you want to know how to become a social media influencer? How to grow an online business? How to make money from your laptop and build a profitable online company? Well, I'm going to show you how in my podcast, Living the Red Life. I built a million-dollar company at the age of 25, a $10 million company at the age of 30, and now I'm the A-list celebrity marketer that speaks around the world on how to transform businesses and make them profitable using Facebook ads, marketing, social media. My name's Rudy Moore, and I'm super pumped to bring you my podcast, Living the Red Life. I know this is going to become your new favorite podcast, and I'm going to show you how to grow a profitable online company step-by-step every single week. Oh wow. Um I'm I really love Asian food. <laughs> um some of my, I did some culinary studies in Thailand. And so I really kind of get into um you know like 
the my bag of like broths. <laughs> like I love mm-hmm. broths. Broths are very simple yet complex because um, you know, you think you just want to add like stock and like these things, but there's a layering that happens. And so when I infuse food, I like to make sure you're tasting the limonene, like the the, the woodsiness right. and the citrus citrusness of the of the dish. Um, but if you ask Dave Chappelle, his favorite thing that I make for him is what he calls mac and cheese. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it's infused mac and cheese. Like I'm known for that in uh, most places in this country <laughs> is mac and cheese or, or, or smack and cheese. He has this little bit where he go. He tells his mom that he got high on mac and cheese. It's part of his stand-up. And so <laughs> and everybody's confused. Like, how are you getting high as hell on mac and cheese? Right. Yeah, well, if Chef Nikki makes it, you're going to get high. Because I usually use RSO in my mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But wow. yeah, I mean, again, I love my personal favorites are ramen, fuzz, soup, things like that. It's my favorite thing to indulge in, um, to make. But because I'm like client-based, I pr- and do events. I pretty much switch menus every time I make something. Well, how did how did you get introduced to the celebrity circles when it comes to cooking for and preparing, you know, cannabis foods for them? Yeah. Um, well, I had kind of been around um, in in that space, doing like tours, um, being a a chef on tours, different like various like tours for rap artists and things like that, and celebrity events. I really I got connected to even Dave years ago. Um, I just have a lot of people that's in, even from college and family that's in entertainment and management. And so I realized a long time ago when I wanted to be a chef, I wanted to be able to have a cool job, <laughs> you know, not just be in a restaurant all the time. And I remember someone telling me that there's a niche to feel for like celebrity events um, and different types of like private chef services. And so I immediately went into that um, after leaving restaurants because I was able to travel and see the world and, you know, study things in other countries, too. Wow. That's good. Well, you know, now tell us about the, what is this, as you call it, the, your high end affair. A high end affair. Yeah. So the high end affair started um, in 2018, but really it was a, a, like a progression of uh, from an event that I did with Snoop. Um, I did this very large launch party for Snoop, all infused food, like 250 people roughly. And I remember the company that dropped off the cannabis. It just dropped me off like maybe about, I don't know, like five, six pounds of just straight flour for for me to just break down. Mm. And I was like, what? Number one, that was way too much because I really only need like a QP of flour. Not even really that, you know what I mean? But Either way, so that was a continuation. I started the High End Affair, which the purpose of it is to bring entertainers and to bring industry people in the cannabis space, um, farmers, processors, uh, dispensary owners, all together. And um, to have this conversation, I also have a lot of politicians that come. I remember my first time, one of my first events, I was in Michigan, in Detroit specifically, (laughs) and and someone came to me after the party and was like, yo, I just smoked a blunt with a senator. I've never imagined that in my life. And I was like, yeah, well, that happens at the high end affair. <laughs> and so I, I literally go from the top down to the, you know, from the top, from the bottom. And I squeeze everyone together because we all have this commonality, which is cannabis. And we all love to eat. So, you know, 
it's a it's a really good conversation and it, and it meshes really well. Um, we are going on a tour this year, um, which our title sponsors will be apps. Um, so we're in we're in and like moving to 10 to 12 uh, recreational cities doing these experiences um, and bringing people in and every like folks show up. I mean, I remember my party in Oakland. I had, I remember E40 coming in the door and was just like, I've been waiting to meet you. And I was like, E40, that's interesting. And then green day came and I had this juxtaposition of people. And then Gary Payton was there and then like all these other folks show up and it ends up being this really cool thing because a lot of times you have athletes and entertainers and influencers that want to be connected to brands just to invest or to have a product and things like that. So all that stuff happens there. And that, that's what's so unique about your events compared to others. <laughs> very much unique. It is a very, um, you have to register the questions, the registration questions are pretty intense because I want to understand the, the diner um, and their tolerance. Um, there's no phones allowed. Everyone signs NDAs. You know, it's, it's pretty legit. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right, right. You know, yeah, you don't want anybody videotaping, you know, no. that's right. No, right. I mean, because like I said, that example I told you of, of having, you know, like politicians in there that consume and they have every right to consume, but maybe they don't want everyone to see them. Right, 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 right. So now, I mean, give us, a, maybe you share with me one of your favorite recipes or if you think that's okay. Oh, sure. I can share with you one of my favorite recipes. Sure. Um, well, do you want a vegan recipe or do you want a regular? Well, let's give me one vegan and give me one regular. Because I, I know All right, I'll give you one vegan and one regular. Okay. okay. So we can go back. To, this recipe, I'm going to tell you, is one of my favorite. It just ran in Popular Science um, Magazine, which is a coconut lemongrass ramen. One of my favorite things to make, which is also vegan. Of course, you can add shrimp or chicken or something like that. Um but essentially what I like to do is I like to get my broth going with lemongrass, fresh lemongrass. You can also get frozen chopped lemongrass. Um, get that going with some vegan broth cubes, which my favorite brand is just, it's called Not Chicken. It's probably the best broth for vegans ever. And so I get that and I water and coconut milk. And then I start adding in ginger. And then I start adding in, um, you know, like Thai basil and it's like some other things very like a lot of aromatics um and then on the veggie side i add bok choy i'll add enoki mushrooms carrots i'll also add of course cilantro scallions um sometimes i add broccoli and so mm -hmm. that's a really good hearty recipe that i like to make by itself yes mm -hmm. yes and then um if it's the flip side i like red snapper a lot right. <laughs> and so i like to do um, kind of a like a Caribbean like slash African esque like collab of flavors when it comes to red snapper. Um, but I, of course, I like to like I scale the fish completely gut on the inside, um, stuff the fish with a lot of aromatics. But I marinate the skin of the and and the, and the fish for probably like two hours um, in coconut aminos. Um, I use a little bit of sweet chili glaze, sweet chili sauce. I use a little bit of hoisin. And then I add in so a little bit of jerk seasoning. This sounds like it's all over the place, but trust mm -hmm. me, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And I add a little bit of jerk seasoning. And then I add a little bit of, of course, cumin. And I add some smoked paprika. Um, I'll add um, just a little bit of 
tiny bit of like Berber spice. It just kind of gives it up a little punch a little bit. So I make this marinade and then I either smoke the fish or I put it on the grill because I like grilled meat. Yeah. Wow. And um, I like the crispy skin. Then you then you add the do you add extract on the top of that or do you mm-hmm. so what I usually do for that one is um on the inside of the fish, um what I'll use is a water soluble rosin. So when the fish comes out of the smoker or the oven or the grill, I'll literally go inside of it and I'll put a little bit of water soluble rosin in there and it'll just melt into the inside layer of the fish. And then that way it'll evenly distribute. Right. Mm-hmm. right yeah. I, I I I find when I I I like to make fish and I'll infuse. I like white fish, so mm-hmm. I'll take a white fish and literally I will season it the way I like it. I put it in. I'll bake it first, and I will crisp it off a little bit with a little mm-hmm. boil on the top of that. And then while it's still sizzling, I like to bring it out and add little drops. Let it cool down a little bit more. Yep. Put a couple more little drops. More, little drops. Yeah, little drops. And then I find out, I figure out for me that, you know, of course, because when it came out right off the broiler and I put it in, yep. I lost a little bit of that uh, the punch from it. But when I wait, it, but I got flavor. Then wait for it to cool down a little bit, add a little bit more. Then I put the punch back and now I got to watch out. I'm yes. going to take it. <laughs> So are you using you using like olive oil or using a tincture? I use an olive. Uh, I use olive oil, and then what I'll do is if I've made my own butter, or mm-hmm. if I have an a oil like I have my own brand of oil, that I will then add that to the top. To the mm-hmm. top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let it yeah. soak down. I let it soak down. You know, I'll put a put a lid over the top of it, let it soak in, and then eat it. Yeah. I love that, like the crispy skin. Yes. With the, little, with the oil, man. That's- Mm, yeah, that's on another side. I'm a crispy skin person for yeah. chicken or or fish. I love this crispy skin. I love crispy skin. I do, I do, and I and usually at the end of 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 the fish, I still add a little bit of like garnish at the top, maybe some mm-hmm. pearl scallions or some cilantro, and I'll put a little drizzle from the pan. I'll make a sauce. Gotcha. gotcha. Over there, yeah. Any particular cultivars that you like, or do you, does it really matter? Well, it just depends on the state. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going yeah to it just depends on the state. I travel so much. Um, I will tell you. Um, do, you do, do you sample it first, smoke it first before you? I don't know. Yeah, gotcha. All of that. Because I also am a concentrate gal. I do a lot of dabs. Got it. Um, so one of my favorite brands is 710 Labs. Gotcha. Period. Like, and Jalil White is one of my good friends, so I'm always smoking. It's purple, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, always mm-hmm. smoking that. But that's one of my favorite brands there. And Mich- and of course, I love Al Harrington's brand Viola. It's a great brand um, too. And then in Michigan, there's some some heady heads in Michigan. I'm close, to, you know, like being from Ohio, that Midwest connection that mm-hmm. I have um, outside of like University of Michigan, Ohio State. That's the only thing we don't agree on. <laughs> but gotcha. other than that, yeah, like uh, there's a brand up there called Heavyweight Heads, probably some of the best weed I've had in a long time. Have you tried the Dosi Dough? That's the one that the Lisa yes. are. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. Dosi Dough is good. I've not eaten any of that yet, but I have literally, I just tried some, you know, every in every state's Dosi Dough is a little bit different. 
Yeah. You know, in uh, Maryland and got an opportunity to do some dosido, and I was really pleasantly surprised. Yeah, right? I mean, I've definitely been pleasantly surprised. Um, lately, I feel like like cannabis has gotten a lot smoother. Mm -hmm. um, it's been like people are curating cannabis in, in certain spaces with a lot more love than I think they used to. A lot more tender care, a lot more mindfulness. I you think it was your choices, you know, the, the, the choices have gone through the roof and now we're going back to basically the connoisseur kind of thing where people are starting to identify the fact eh, I'm sick and tired of just taking one hit and being blown away and I can't move for an hour. Yeah. And looking for things that, that, you know, and I love the fact that you just said you, you do ratios a lot. You know, I literally mm -hmm. you know, I think 12 years ago introduced the idea of CBD, THC mixed together in, in different ratios to elicit that different thing, because we do know that CBD will help bring down a little bit of that anxiety. So yeah. if you've got a really heavy hit in THC, you can kind of moderate that that buzz and make it better, you know, by, by mixing yeah. it. You could definitely moder moderate it um, a lot. I mean, using CBG, CBN, yes. CBD, um, uh, what is it, uh, the CBA? Yeah, CBDA and CBD, all all the acid versions of them are you know are way better, especially if you you can add those just from a press, non decarboxylated. You're getting some of the medicinal purposes out of it. You're getting a lot of the medicinal purposes out of it. Yeah. I think yeah. it. I mean, I think it's really cool. Like just playing around with those things. I'm also like think in the process of thinking and playing around with a lot of um, putting THC and CBD with other medicinal things for acceleration. Yeah. It's been you're using you're using adaptogens and I guess right. I'm using a lot of adaptogens. Gotcha. I'm a, a part of part of my um R and D and part of you know what the high end affair does, we also incorporate a lot of adaptogens into the experience. Um and getting people to understand and ease into um adaptogens and I literally touch people in their heart space and explain to them, like, you know, this is really your birthright, these these medicines. Right. These things were readily available to you ancestrally, historically. You know, now they're, you know, taking them and synthesizing them and regurgitating them to us. But let's go back to our natural forms. Correct. The herbal form. We all know that herbs have been around for thousands and thousands of years. Why do we have to have something that's been fabricated in a laboratory to try to recreate the body? Why our body can accept that? You know, I've always been one of those believers that I'm not necessarily sure. Uh, well, we know that you do not get the same reaction from a cellular level for some of this stuff that's synthesized in fake molecules. You do not. You do not. And I'm on a regular, I was on a science, a panel uh, for Emerald Cup last month, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And we were talking about craft mushroom products. Oh, and, without a doubt. Yeah. And so I'm on that panel myself, a couple other scientists, a couple of mycologists. And what, there was a comment that was made about, you know, wouldn't it be great to have psilocybin without all of the effects? And I was like, yes, it would be. But you're also taking away the original purpose of the medicine. Correct. Yeah. And clear, clearly it has effects that are extremely positive that nature gave it. Now, why that would you not, not destroy it and say, well, I want to give you something. It's, it's crazy. It's but we're also finding out that just like, you know, science is starting to understand 
that, you know, we, I think the numbers are somewhere around, depending on who you listen to, there are 70 primary cannabinoids, but there's probably about another 150 more. And we're way up there around the 250 mark when it comes to cannabinoids that we're starting to individually identify. The same thing is in mushrooms and different types of mushrooms. There are several different component parts in the hundreds that have unbelievable effect on our body. Yeah, it's so amazing. And I, I'm, I'm grateful that we're interested. We're all interested in this science. Um, but I wish that they would teach us this stuff more. You know what I mean? Like, I wish, I mean, kids would un, like get taught in school. Like, there's a whole chart of mushrooms. Right. And what they do and a whole chart of fungus and what right. that does, you know? And there's some value to that fungus being in your body. It's a value to that fungus being in your body. body. And I'm telling you, like, as I'm a parent of I have three children, and um, uh, ranging from high school to college to grow. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, I have children, two children, or, or one child that specifically suffers from depression, anxiety, like intense, you know? So as a mother, my daughter's like, I need meds. I'm like, uh-uh, you probably don't need meds. You know, I'm in the, I've been in the pharmaceutical space. So I know you don't need those meds, but let me try something else. And so I started incorporating CBD, THC, and adaptogens into her diet. Right. Um, and Homegirl is at Spelman doing just fine right now. Because, <laughs> I mean, yeah. honestly, that's probably all he needs. Just we already know that because of the endocannabinoid system, and we will finally, in about five years, figure out that there's a system in our body that actually processes mushrooms the way our endocannabinoid system produces cannabinoids. There's something in our body that produces a similar chemical to what we get out of mushrooms. And it's something that in the last hundred years, because we've been processing food so much for the last hundred years, we've processed this out of our system. It's now we time process to it out of our system. As I like to say, our condition, our conditioning has been reconditioned and conditioned again. Correct. Um, yeah, it really has. It it's I mean like I see a lot I have a lot of parents that hit me up about their kids having ADHD, autism, and all these things, and anxiety, depression. And they're wanting to experiment with adaptogens. And they're wanting to experiment with THC and CBD um, and different, you know, like understanding that. So I have parents that are teaching themselves a lot about these things. And I have a kid that was nonverbal and had all kinds of different types of levels of autism in a way. Uh, But again, adaptogens, microdosing. And for me, that was like a whole broader spectrum and understand working with moms and mothers. So their kids would be kind of back to normal because they're absolutely. Hey, well, you, and you nailed it. It's microdosing. People like, like, you know, we, we, we live in a society where if one is good, then three is better. Not necessarily. If one is good, maybe a half is better. Maybe yeah. a third is better. Maybe yeah. what we have to understand is what actually triggers the cells to respond to what it is you're putting in. Yeah. Yeah. You, and, and microdosing is just like a little, it's just a, it's accumulation. And when people understand that concept of stacking and stacking and yes. stacking and stacking and stacking, and then your neural transmitters and your neural receptors are, are, are increasing and gaining you know, like there is this is kind of like your brain and your synapses is creating new neural highways. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And regenerating yeah. that stuff. So I like to, you know, I explain this in these talks. When I have talks, I explain this to a lot of parents, like I said. Um, and I think I'm very passionate about that because 
I have children that I have evidence of that they're fine. Right. Um, you know what I mean? And that, so that, so that's that. That Very does good. help me understanding that science, though. Sure. Anything exciting? What's what's coming up in 2022 for you? Man, 2022 is going to be really fun. <laughs> I have, um, let's see, we've got the High End Affair Tour um, going to all recreational markets. So that'll be coming to a city near you. And then we also have various events that we're doing with a lot of athletes. We have um, Super Bowl and NBA All-Star coming up that we're doing with athletes and cannabis. So I have a segment of the High End Affair called the pregame, which focuses on athletes from any sport. Um, that either have a brand or connected to a brand that are willing to advocate and talk about that. So um, right next month, Calvin Johnson and I are going to be doing some stuff together. Um, and so I've got that. I'm doing my first high-end affair in South Africa this year. Congratulations. Very interesting. I literally am involved with one of the South African companies, well, a Soto company that is moving forward an initiative in cannabis right now. I've been involved with them for like oh. the last six months. I'm on the board of them. Uh, it's called Afrohelius. So when you're down there, okay. you can ask around and find out about yeah, it. Yeah, I would love to get more information on that for sure. They're well, you know, allowing me to do a product launch. Well, you know, a lot of people don't know and don't understand is that. You know, as we sat here in America for the last 400 years thinking that we're the ones who were, you know, the biggest distributor of cannabis in the world, not true. Africa has been consuming cannabis for thousands of years. Thousands of years. That's where the land race comes from. And the strain right. hunters, they go there and they go there and they get some of the, you know, top-notch strains and bring them back to here. <laughs> you Correct. Know I mean? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so that would be my first time. I will be I got invited by the Indigenous Council of Elders to talk, to speak with me with them about um, what does the future look like for decriminalizing and also legalizing um, adaptogens, um, psychedelics, and different types of, you know, like in cannabis, whether it's edible or smokables. Right. I'll be doing that this year. And like I said, they're allowing me to do a, a product launch, like a soft product launch um, in September. So I'm very excited. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. I never imagined I would have products, cannabis products in Africa, but you know. There you go. Here we go. Hope, hopefully, <laughs> well, I might be there on the shelf space beside you here. In come on now. Come on Beautiful. now. Absolutely. Side That's by cool. side. So, yeah, I've got some cool things. Of course, I always have stuff with Dave. I'm with Dave pretty much, you know, in and out through the year. So doing more sure thing. Mm-hmm. Well, look, I mean, if anybody wanted to reach out to you and get a hold of you and get some advice on, you know, recipes and other things, where would they go? You can, you can catch me anywhere on the internet at thechefnikki.com or on Instagram, or on Twitter, or on Facebook. That is my website. And it's pretty much uniform throughout. Um, and that's, you'll find me there. That's, that's pretty much it. Now, and I'm, like I said, I'm with Weed Maps, so you can catch some information about me and the Hind Affair through the Weed Maps platform as well. Wow, my goodness. Well, yeah. thank you so much. Going to Petite Magazine. What's I've that? been going to Petite for 420. <laughs> what magazine is that again? Going to Petite Magazine. Petite. Yeah. Hey, congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Big time. Absolutely. So I'll make sure my viewers reach out and try to get a copy of it and, and uh, read up, okay? Absolutely. That would be mm-hmm. wonderful. I appreciate you. You know you always have a home here whenever you want? Yes. I really appreciate you being a part of the show today. And I know our viewers appreciate you too. So I'm out of time, but I got to thank you so much for being a part of Let's Be Blunt. Make sure you tune in to the next edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. 
Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. Are you dealing with best life burnout, constantly striving for more, and quite frankly, over it? Maybe you just want more joy, peace, and laughter in your life now. Well, then let's go. Welcome to your new favorite podcast, Hot Happy Mess, hosted by me, your girl, Zuri Hall. We are celebrating our magic in the middle of life's messes. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday. Listen to the Hot Happy Mess podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.